Good afternoon and welcome to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. Uh, it's been a what, what a busy week it's been. It's been a really hot, steamy week in Europe. A lot of high drama with the golf and the cricket and good luck to Ireland there and Brexit and all of that stuff. But uh, we're not going to have any drama in the studio today. We're going to have a lovely, soft, gentle conversation. And... Um, I've got two wonderful guests here, uh, both from very different backgrounds, both in different industries. But I think what links them both is they're all about protecting and developing people, which is close to Joe and my heart. And um, so first of all, we have uh, Anne Mangan, who is an educational consultant specializing in teaching and learning in career development. Welcome, Anne. Thanks, Alan. It's good to see you. And then we also have Audrey O'Neill, who's owner of Model Life. Uh, and you ethically inspire models of the future to competently and confidently model safely. That's it. Which sounds amazing. Yeah. So welcome, both of you. And uh, look forward to a great chat. And uh, good to see you both. So what I'd like to do before we talk about a little bit about your backgrounds and, and, and the future is, what, what are you both passionate about? Like what, what really drives you? Maybe I'll start with you, Anne. What, 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 what are you really passionate about? Okay. Um, well, I'm absolutely passionate about helping young people find their place in the world. So, like, finding their wings and right. all the steps along the way that kind of help them get there. Right, right, which is an amazing area. And uh, so what brought you into that space what, what why 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 that area um i suppose i've had well personally i've had i'm on my fifth career change at this stage right and it tends to happen for me kind of maybe five or six years into a particular career and i'm starting to almost prepare for the next one yeah so it tends to be so you're, rest, almost you're restless do you know, I'm not sure that it's restless. I yeah. think it's seeing an area that's beginning to really grab my interest. Okay. And then it needs upskilling, and then I tend to be double-jobbing for a while, yeah, yeah. and then moving over into the other areas. So I suppose that's the piece around me. Um, I've got four children from like 22 to 32, so right. I've been fascinated by their, their journeys and just the way they meander around things. And yeah, yeah. Friends, children, and just seeing... Um, some of the detrimental effect, actually, of just making bad career choices. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So for you, it's not so much about it's not so much about formal education. It's about learning, life lifelong learning, and using initiative. Is, is that yes. what I'm picking up? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. And so, in in terms of you, Audrey, so tell us a little bit about what you do and why you're passionate about it. We had a little chat beforehand, but 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 it's a fascinating area. Okay. So. What I do is I work with models or people of all ages. They're not just young people. And it came about to the whole model life from modeling from the inside out it was really about acceptance. Because when I've worked with people in, in the past and as and now today, like you always hear the same story. So whether it's this decade, the last one, the one before, everybody has the same issues and most of what is wrong with people is the fact that their lack of self acceptance yeah. brings them to a place that they didn't really think about. And, you know, when you ask somebody, what would you do if you had the Euro millions? If you could do anything at all in, in your life, what would you do? Yeah. And people can't answer that question because they don't have enough self-acceptance. So what do you yeah. do with people or young people to give them that freedom in their heart, to have the freedom to even think about what they want to do for the yeah. future? Yeah. So. Although I do it through modelling, that's really about building self-esteem, confidence, body confidence. And it's really about getting their mind and body in alignment for them yeah. to be more self-accepting 
to go forward in whatever career they choose. It doesn't have to be modelling. That's just the medium I use yeah. to give people the technical skills to be models, yeah. but give them the emotional skills to be whatever they want to be. Wow, wow. And I think that draws you mm. both together yeah. very, very similarly. <laughs> it's about, you know, we're all, we're all coming to this world and nobody gives us, nobody, nobody asks to come to the world. Nobody ever gives us any rules of engagement in life. And, you know, and there's all these things bombarding us, social media and all the news and all this sort of stuff. And, and yet, Self-awareness and self-acceptance and direction and resilience are just so key. And it's good to see that Joe has decided to turn up today. <laughs> Hello, how are you, Joe? Sorry, You've I been out there sunbathing. Just, I was out there sunbathing. <laughs> short, by the way. Thanks, thanks. Really yeah, nice studio shorts. Studio shorts, indeed. <laughs> Made for the studio. I, I, I'm not brave enough to wear shorts. <laughs> I sometimes yeah. tell people say that my legs look like girls' legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which are beautiful. I love my legs. <laughs> I'm glad you do. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Sorry I'm late. I was just doing a few things there. I was just listening to both of you, actually. And yes, there is a correlation between both of you uh, which is very interesting indeed and one of the things I know that you, yeah, someone was asking us there about what you're both passionate about and what, what gets you up in the morning and it's the youth mm. yeah mm. and we all I, I you know have teenagers and Simon is a teenager himself and <laughs> you know and we're talking about social media and we know that just uh, the Instagram just made some changes there the other day about likes um, because people are um, looking. There was, a, there was a, 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 some, some girl had put up nine pictures and because she didn't get so many likes, yeah. she took the picture down because she didn't think people thought she was pretty enough. Do you think this really, what what Instagram are doing and what others are trying to do, do you think it'll make a big difference or is it the education that we need to do in the schools? I think a bit of both. A bit of both. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think both. Yeah. I think that uh, how, how teenagers view themselves is really what it's about. Uh, I have teenagers also and uh, I have one teenager who uses social media very little. Now that's true. No, no, no influence of mine. She's just not that interested in it. So I think where a teenager's confidence and self-esteem comes from to start with has a huge impact on how they use social media and how much time they give to it and what they post. Yeah, it, and it, is it delightful because what they're seeing on TV and what they're seeing with their friends? And like, I wouldn't dare give my kids a, a mobile phone or a, till they're 13 or 14 yeah. mm. because I think it's peer pressure or it's you know the Massive. influence that they might mm. get on it so how can you change it? I don't think you're going to change social media um, so what do you do then to yeah. help to help and support them I suppose number one as parents you have to limit the amount of time for sure Um because it's quite damaging. I'd be seriously worried about it. I think it's the effects of it and the bullying, you know, that tends to often go with it. What about the work that you do, you know, working with, um, you know, with uh, students around building resilience and self-awareness and confidence and that sort of stuff? I mean, surely that can go some way in counteracting some of this stuff. I think so, yeah. One of the areas that I work in is uh, working with transition year students yeah. and getting them to use work experience in a really positive way so to learn about themselves yeah. because very often work experience is only just about ticking a box you know do my week here my week there yeah. whereas if you give them support initially to think about this is serious this is a brilliant opportunity for you to 
test and see what things you like and the kind of people that you like to work with yeah. and you get them coming back in and thinking about what worked and what didn't because they're not used to thinking like that yeah, yeah. and they start to see it's starting to build up a picture and I think that yeah. gets them really excited yeah and and the whole the whole school system I mean you know I'm from the UK but I lived in Australia but the Irish the Irish system just seems to be really hot house you know, my younger daughter's just been through her leaving cert and we were talking about this earlier mm. as well the whole conversation is around how many points she gets, right? It's not even what course she wants to do or what she wants to do with her life or where she wants to be at 25. It's how many points. Yeah, that yeah. must put such pressure on. And it's similar. It must be similar in your space about yeah. the validation. It must put so much pressure on. And it's pretty crazy, really, because what are the points for? Like they, they're not just something on their own. I mean, prizes. Points equals prizes. I mean, you don't win a car. <laughs> exactly. So what's it about? It's about going to college. But what are you going to do there? And why are you going to do it? And what are you going to be looking yeah, at? Yeah. What's the purpose of it? Yeah. So it's like the whole point seems to be missed. The, it's like with the, with the transition year. They re- they discovered many many years ago that children that actually went through the transition year did better in life. Children that didn't. Mm. Now all schools are doing it, yeah, but this is when yeah. it was when they were when they started it off, and then there was then you know with with apprenticeships as well. I was speaking to some people who require apprenticeships you now, who people who go on tools, and they were saying that what was happening was because of the the guys that were going on the tools like leckies and plumbers and carpenters, they the the society wanted to push them to college. And a lot of these guys weren't equipped for college. So then they were losing trade, good tradesmen Absolutely. because mm-hmm. if you're kind of good with your mind or good with your hands, and they're saying that, you know, they're now taking people on because they know they're good with their hands and mm-hmm. they're, they're not listening to what the government, they want the, or the way the apprenticeships were, Absolutely. they want them back that way as well. It should be like that. Yeah. 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 In, yeah. Terms yeah. Of, in terms of self-awareness, I'm, Audrey, I'm really interested. Why, why do people go into modelling? Why? Usually, uh, it's a lack of self-esteem and, you know, it's needing validation from the outside. Validation. And sometimes as well, I think that, that teenagers go into modelling to fulfil uh, somebody else's needs. So if their mother wanted to be a model and, and didn't succeed, yeah. then very often children are put into modelling. Now, I know that's not always the case, but there is a good number of that. But then it's usually that they need the validation. And again, a lot of social media and a lot of peer pressure on what people think. And they feel that they'll be liked more and that they'll become famous. And modelling is a way for them to do that. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I think they see it as an easy way in. You know, like I'm not a great singer or I'm not a great dancer, so I look good, I'll be a model. I don't think they understand how hard modeling is. But it's still a big business. Huge it's, business. Is it? It's because I don't, I, I know nothing about it, you know. Yeah. But, but you don't look at models. I, no, I don't. <laughs> I am a model. You are a <laughs> model, yeah. <laughs> and you see, the other thing as well is, you know, we're, we're all, we all think of models as, uh, you know, what, what you see on a catwalk as five foot ten and a size four yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, age 16 to 20. And, yeah. you know, now nowadays people forget that everybody wears clothes. So, you know, a 60-year-old woman that's a size yeah. 20 or a 14-year-old girl who's a size zero or, you know, a man, every single person wears clothes. So because we all go around dressed and a lot of us are going around dressed age appropriate, that there is space in the modelling industry for all people of all shapes and sizes yeah. because if I'm a woman and I'm older I don't want to see an 18 year old girl that's that's the same with the front and the back yeah. modelling a dress that I'm going to wear because yeah. I'm going to say oh I'm too old for that 
But if I see somebody else in their 50s and they look great and they have this great dress on them, you know, I just think, oh my God, I'll I'll get that for my daughter's wedding. That's what I'll buy. Because when you see that dress on someone in a catalogue, it looks good. good And you visualise, oh, that's going to look good good in me, not knowing that I have a pot belly. Yeah, or they're about 20 years older. (laughs) Not that I wear dresses. Yeah, (laughs) but but you know, that's exactly it, it, Joseph. That's exactly it. So, you know, modelling is something that everybody can do and everybody can be successful at it if they have the right mindset and they treat it like a job or a business. And not a glamour. And not for glamour or yeah, not for not yeah. for attention or not for likes. If you, if you go into it level-headed and think, you know what, I could make a few quid and I can do this, yeah. you don't need to be the prettiest person and you don't need to be That's a perfect size mm. 10. You know, you just need the right mindset. Yeah, because, you know, you've just clicked something in my mind and to be honest, I never really took modelling as a job. And, you know, it is a job, but when you know when you look at people in glossy magazines and they're getting paid hundreds of thousands, it's like footballers. I don't think football is a job, but it is a job. Yeah. And modelling is. But if someone walks into it with a mindset going, I'm going to treat this as a job and I'm going to play it right that I can scale within the industry. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. So I apologise for no, that. No, you know, in Ireland, our Irish models are probably the lowest paid out of everybody because Irish people don't see it as a job. Um, because they don't see it as a job, they go and they work for free. So they don't yeah, charge. Yeah. So an Irish small business is far less likely to pay a model in Ireland than they are anywhere else in the, in the world because Irish models have such a low value on themselves. That's mad, wow. actually. That's great. We're just going to leave it there. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM. You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM. Community radio with a global audience. Welcome back. So, um, Anne, I'm really interested in what brought you into the whole space of, of learning and development. And I know you've... You know, we've spoken about the Irish education system and it's really, you know, it's a hothouse system. But you, you, you did some training in Australia and I guess I'm interested in that and then what you brought back from Australia in terms of what you've done here and you've owned a business here in the education space. Just just tell us a little bit about your background and, and the international stuff and your business here. Okay. So I suppose in the teaching and learning space, I have been director of a college called the Institute of Physical Therapy and Applied Science for almost 30 years but having come through pretty much an Irish educational system. And when I decided to start studying clinical education through this Australian university, the first thing that struck me was, wow, this is like a breath of fresh air because it was all, it was, it hit me immediately. Everything about it was the opposite to what our traditional educational system was about. So mm. when I was in school, when I was in national school, I absolutely detested it with a capital T, D, <laughs> detested it. Um, D and yeah. T, dynamite. <laughs> dynamite, yeah. Um, and I think as I progressed through secondary school and into nurse training, it improved. But at the same time, yeah. it just never engaged me. And I was, to say I was dragging my feet was probably a bit of an exaggeration. But, you know, it's that sense of just yeah. no joy, no kind of... Uh, nothing uplifting about it. Nothing connecting the, the, the child's mind to an outcome. Yeah, just just feeling that this is not the way I want to live the rest of my life. Yeah, it was yeah. just like something missing, actually. That's yeah. probably it. And in studying um, clinical education, it was very much around 
bringing a much more active type of learning as opposed to passive learning. So I suppose what I learned really was that we were educated in a very passive type of system, one where the teacher decided on exactly what was done and how it was done. And you just had to to regurgitate it. So a very rote learning approach, which is exhausting. That was industrial revolution, factory based learning. And we still have it. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And the amount of learning that you take from something like that is just tiny because yeah. most of it is gone and it's fear based. Yeah. So I suppose it was this learning through doing was just something really new to me. And um, I mean, I was studying the area for about seven years and applying it as I was. I was lucky that I had a school um, and teachers who were willing to apply new approaches mm. and just seeing the transformation that that had on our teachers and on our students. So, in fact, in our on our teachers, it meant that they no longer had to be like the sage on the stage, that expert, mm. because there's terrible fear associated with that. Mm. Whereas you were much more equal to, with your students and it yeah. was about helping them learn. So I suppose that's the bottom line, really. So which countries get this right? So we're talking about problem based learning. That would it? be one of the approaches. So yeah. which countries would be the role model countries? In this well, way? I don't think it's a country thing, to be quite right, honest, right. like problem based learning and more active forms of learning have been kind of just coming in very gradually in little pockets. Isn't there a school in Wicklow in um, uh, past Bitters Bay? Yes, oh, I, I heard about yeah, that just recently. And they have yeah. one in town as well. Um, that's going to kill me. And it's, it's learning by doing as opposed to any particular doing, curriculum. Yeah. And yeah. it comes from the States. There's these, they're popping up in the States and it's not forcing children to yeah. read at the age of three or four. It's yeah. letting them gradually mm. read themselves. I think and Norway's going fantastic. down. Is it yeah. Norway's yeah. going yeah. down that line? Yeah. yeah. It's... Are you, and are you still involved in the college here as well? Or yes, you, yeah. yeah, but and I'm easing my way out. And that's nutrition, is it? No, physical therapy. Physical therapy, yeah. honestly. Yeah. 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 But that was my little playground so that I was able to apply all the stuff that I was learning into this. Um, and it just made such a difference, not only to the students, but to the teachers as well. Well, as I mentioned, the teachers, but at the, the effect on the students where that, that learning was positive and uplifting and yes frustrating because when you're trying to learn something it is going to be frustrating well, here's something for both of you okay um actually i'll start with you on this one okay we talk about it was hard you know in our days when we used to walk to school and the kids would laugh at me that we used to eat i used to eat gravel they say <laughs> and walk to school and barefoot we all know the story on it <laughs> you know do you think kids do have it harder today because or do we believe that we think that they have it harder because of the way we grew up because take it this way when we were younger don't listen to punk rock you know it's the devil work or don't listen to rock music or you know all this it was the beatles and all and now music doesn't really exist in some in some way it's you know the x factor or whatever but they are grown up don't with you know with iPhones and all this on it. So do they have it harder or is it us learning to adjust to what they have? I don't believe they have it harder at all. I look at my my daughters and uh, I look at, you know, I compare myself to them. And I'm only saying that because of my, I can only, I can only speak for myself, you know. Um, But I imagine it's the same in a lot of homes and not just my home. My girls will come into me and uh, there is no filter and there's no boundaries. They'll say, wait till I tell you, ma'am, or what do you think of this? Or what will I do about that? Or, And no matter what subject is on their mind, they'll speak about it. 
but they can speak about it in a way that they're not worried about getting into trouble or they're not worried about judgment. Mm. They're looking for your opinion, mm. you know. We wouldn't have had, a lot of Irish homes wouldn't have had that openness mm. 20, 30, 40 years ago, where when there was an issue or you were worried about something, that you went home and you spoke about it at home. You didn't do that years ago. You were children were to be seen and not heard. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> so we didn't do that. And it was Mr. Doyle and Mrs. Morphy. Absolutely. And, and on it as well. But, but you've, you've got that right, but what they're developing and what they're learning, I know they don't because, you know, in the 80s and all, it was tough and in the 70s and all. But I'm telling them, do they still have those deeper challenges because the Internet has opened things up for them to be exposed? Because we know these things were always there. They're just exposed now in a bigger audience. I don't think so, because oh. I think that it's just that, you know, everything is on view now for people to see. Mm. But I do think that when when children have, I suppose, good support systems and when children have good families or good siblings or good mm. friends, mm. Uh, not every child is going to be bad because of the internet. Not every child is going to be abusive or abused. Not every child is going to be bullied. Not every child is going to be taken advantage of. You know, there has always been children that were a little bit more timid than others that were always picked on and were victimised. Mm. The difference mm. is now, everybody in area knew who the bad people was in your village or your area and, you know, everything was a secret and behind closed doors now people are held accountable more or people will, will gossip more or things go on social media more so is it that things are worse or is it that things are just more out there I think just out there really I think exposed. out there yeah what about the career space I mean is there more pressures on pressure on young people now to get be pushed into career? Or conversely, is there more of a feeling of futility? You know, for example, my my younger daughter, you know, when when I grew up in the seventies and eighties, it would never cross your mind that you wouldn't get a job or you wouldn't get a car or you wouldn't mm. have somewhere to live one day. But my daughter kind of assumes she can't afford a place to live. You know, and so is there more pressure on, on, on young people today with the career in the future or, or conversely, have they developed this sort of skin of resilience that, that they know they're not going to get these things so they're going to enjoy, you know, cli you know, being vociferous about environmental change and all this. That's right, what, yeah. what is it? I think that varies, but I suppose what I'm probably seeing, I think that parents are a lot more protective and overly protective. Yeah. 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 And I think that causes a big problem. Because with that then goes a certain amount of push and you can say encouragement. But I think that maybe somebody who's 17 or 18 has less control over what they do than what we had. Certainly. Over that's than my what we observation. Had. Yeah. And I don't think that's good because no. like they're entering into adulthood and they've really got to be able to do things for themselves. And mm. it's their lives. You're still a child to you're in your 30s or 40s. <laughs> you are. You know, you're, you're still learning in it. You know, you have... I honestly believe... I remember when I was 30 and I thought I was a, a man and I remember my brother-in-law who at the time said to me, 30 now, and I went, yeah, 30 now, says, you have a whole life ahead of you. And I did, and I realised that, and I'm 50 now, I'm nearly 50, and I realised looking back at 30, I was a child. Okay. But you didn't have your mammy kind of telling you what to do. No, I didn't have okay. my mummy to tell me what to do. Mm. Well, <laughs> yeah, you did. You, yeah, you did. <laughs> I'm did. an Irish boy. Of course, I did. <laughs> I had my mummy. <laughs> but but what it is, and a lot of the when we bought a house, the house you bought and it was the four walls, and you borrowed a chair off someone, yeah. and you borrowed a yeah. bed off yeah. someone, and 
nothing matched or nothing. Now a lot of people perceive that you know if they buy the house, they want it to be show house, show Perfect. house yeah, yeah, on yeah. it when they move in. And then I'm speaking to other people and going, I'll never be able to afford a house, yeah. as you said. Yeah. So I'm just going to go and you know go travel. on the holidays and travel. So as a background. Yeah. You see, I grew up in a, in a place or in an era where, you know, when, when I had my first child, I was a young single mother, like 90% of the people that where I live. And, uh, you know, it was when I bought my first house, uh, I was delighted with myself. But the amount of people that said to me, what are you doing that for? Because where I came from, you went down to the county council and put your name on the housing list and you got a house. Yeah. yeah. And unless you were yeah. hugely ambitious or you thought an awful lot of yourself, you went on the dole. Okay. Yeah. So because I yeah. got a job that paid probably less than you would get on the social welfare, mm. the people that were around me thought I was crazy. And and when somebody spoke about me where I lived, I'm sure what would have came after it was, mm. who does she think she is? Mm. The begrudgery. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that, you know, as people were, were coming from better places, I suppose, um, 30, 40 years ago, whatever, you know, certain, certain people, you know, you're brought up to, to work and to do better for yourself and to want yeah. better and to buy a home or to travel. It would never ever even enter my children's minds that you live off somebody else. Mm. They know you have to, you know, work for what you want and that you can believe in yourself and you can yeah. be whatever you want to be because you were brought up in a different era and in a different way. So is some of it about our backgrounds and some of it about the mindset that we're born into or is it just different everywhere? I think that it's something that you can't really answer. Mm. Well, if you, if you look at, let's look at Germany. Yeah, you know, and I lived in Germany for ten years, and in Germany you had the house. So mm-hmm. you know, the the kids lived in the bottom apartment. The parents lived in the middle, and the grandparents lived up at the top. And when the grandparents died, they you, moved up you, a floor. You moved up a floor, yeah, you know, yeah, closer yeah. to yeah. heaven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and everyone over there, it's it's a rent culture. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. And over here, the the rent culture is changing. But over there. When you bought an apartment in the basement, you had like a storage area, which is like your attic. Over here, they're building these apartments, and there's no storage in them. But what I'm getting at is that the cult, the culture is changing. Yeah. But I honestly believe it doesn't matter where you come from; it's to do with the mindset. Absolutely, of the person. Mm, That's, absolutely. You know, at the end of the day, yeah. you know, we all you know, are equal in every way. It's yeah. the mindset and only the change makers, which I hope we all are change makers, can yeah. make people realise that it's mindset moving forward. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested, yeah. interested what you said before and building on that, you were saying that, you know, parents are probably smothering kids too much. What does that do to the mindset of, of young people when they want to go into a career? What does that do? Well, to them? if you're not being, yeah, you feel you're not trusted or you're not trustworthy. Yeah. And that you can't take responsibility if somebody else is taking responsibility for you. So a responsibility is an important piece. Yeah. That's why I really kind of push for, you know, getting them out working, doing, you know, jobs yeah. over the summer holidays or whatever it is as soon as possible. Can you have a word of my kids? <laughs> 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 and the harder it is, the better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Just to learn, you know, what it's like, what it's really like out there. But kids yeah. change because we know when they go. Uh, anyone that has teenagers will know when they go into, you know, the, your children are beautiful and they're amazing in primary school and then mm. they go into secondary school and the minute they go in a week later, 
you're an idiot. And then <laughs> as they go through secondary school, the last three, four years, they ignore you and they live in their room because that's all they do. And then they come out of there and they get a job. And when they get a job, they start speaking to other people and they realise that, okay, your parents are cool and they're all right. And then, then they start in their 20s, start having conversations with you again. So it's yeah. it, there is that yeah. mindset shift between teenage and 18 mm. when, when they mm. come out so and that's the school education because we're you know anyone I discovered that anyone under 21 thinks anyone over 21 is old yeah yeah so we are old <laughs> older, older yeah Audrey you mentioned that you know you help models to you know develop competently and confidently in a safe way how do you go about doing that well, because, you know, models are not really aware that there is uh, there's rules, you know, and photographers are not regulated. The modeling industry is not regulated. Right. So models don't know when they're going for a photo shoot without training that they have no rights to those pictures and that, right. you know, they, although they're there, you know, they, ha they have no rights. Is that, is that the position globally or just in Ireland or? I think it's globally. Wow. I think it's globally. Wow. So they don't actually realise that the person that they're, they're answering through a Facebook ad for a photo shoot is not a real photographer yeah. and has no licensing and is not uh, regulated and that the pictures that they're posing for, they have no rights to those pictures. And if they're edited or changed or sold, they have no control over that. Mm. So it's all about teaching them safety safety for themselves and safety to be aware of who they're around and not to get into certain situations or in certain places. I've never thought of that. It's a huge area. But yeah. it's, 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 it's interesting so you, because I remember uh, Wesley and kids were you know, going to Wesley. We all know Wesley. It's a nightclub mm, in Dublin. Cool. And there was, there was, I went onto Facebook looking um, at the time my daughter was going to Wesley and looking and there was people posting these fake groups on Facebook going, um, oh, send us a picture of yourself in your best outfit and you'll win free tickets for Wesley. There was loads of, these are face groups yeah. and all girls, 12, 13, were all posing yeah. on these groups um, yeah. to get tickets and there was just some pervert on the other side of it. Mm. On it. Yeah, so you see yeah. there's a huge issue around safety that, safety, that a yeah, lot of yeah. parents are not aware yeah. of and teenagers are certainly not aware yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. choked. On yeah. the cornflakes, really, seriously. and that's mild. Yeah, yeah, yeah but that's, that's mild. That's it gets worse. <laughs> no, I don't know. Don't yeah. please, I don't know. I didn't need to know, but yeah. no. But there it is. Do you have a directory then when people are with kids or with you or teenagers with you? They can know that these people are vetted, have a stamp of approval by your. There is nothing in the country. So I introduce them to people who I believe or I have seen in the industry that are very reputable. And then they're free, to, of course, to do whatever they, they like in the future. It, yeah. But we do give them the guidelines of an awful lot of questions that they should ask. Ask those questions. To be aware of. Yeah. And, you know, and to keep so that they can make those decisions and make those choices for themselves. Yeah. Because, you know, not every opportunity is a good one. No. Definitely and not. that's really what yeah. you have to drum into teenagers that, you know, you're going to get lots of calls and lots of emails. If you're an Instagram type model where you're half dressed, 90% of the messages are get, you get are not good opportunities. Yeah, no. definitely. On it. We're just going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Broadcasting to South Dublin on 93.9. This is Dublin South FM. You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM. Community radio with a global audience. 
And welcome back to Business Eye on this lovely Friday afternoon. Audrey, I just want to switch sales at the moment and I want to ask you about a charity that you're setting up or in the process of setting up. So tell us a little bit about that. Why and when it all kicks off. Okay. Well, uh, Emma uh, Seagrave, who was a friend of mine, started a Facebook group about five years ago with four people. And it was Fibromyalgia Support Ireland. And it was set up as a group to, I suppose, just as a support group for people with chronic pain and fibromyalgia. Now, as time is going on and there's more and more people diagnosed, uh, we have over 1,500 people that have been diagnosed through their rheumatologist in Ireland in our group. So what we really want to do, our long term goal for the future is to open a centre. So the centre that, that we're looking for or what we're really looking for is to raise awareness, but really to build on the positivity and concentrate on what is working. So uh, it's really going down the road of a drug freeway. Not that we think that people should be off their medications or that people shouldn't Mm. take what they're supposed to have. But what we mean is look also for alternatives. What is the conditions? The conditions are fibromyalgia. Okay, which right. is well, which is it's a uh, it's, it's pain throughout the whole body. So, yeah. so is it muscle pain, it's or? muscle pain, joint pain. Uh, there's there's so many symptoms, you know. So a lot of people suffer an awful lot of pains: their arms, their legs, their backs, their hips, hmm. uh, irritable bowel, pains in the chest, uh, headaches, chronic neck pain. Uh, there's there's so many so many symptoms that come with it. Is it genetic or is it? They say they say now that it is genetic. That it's sorry that it that it's from it can be passed on through family members. They don't actually know what causes it, and they have no cure. Mm-hmm. But they are working on a cure because Armin Laboratories in Germany, who are well known uh, for treating Lyme's disease, they have found they have found a lot of ways for treating Lyme's disease. They have released uh, a document now to say that they have found uh, something to say that there's a certain bacteria in the yeah. gut and that there's a certain thing that comes out in the blood that they can now diagnose fibromyalgia patients where they couldn't before. Mm. So they're hoping that that will be in the mainstream within the next few years. CBD oil is meant to help it as well, isn't it? I think CBD oil is something that helps in an awful lot of conditions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think it's a great thing for, for so many different conditions. It is, yeah. I know that someone I was when I was talking to someone about it, they said they, they believe that C B D oil is is doing wonders with it yeah. as well on it. Anything that's natural on the body is good. Yeah. Mm. So so what's what's the plans and and where are you moving with the charity? Well, well, the plan is is to have more awareness and to have more. We have groups, we have coffee mornings, you know, we, we give talks, we break, we build awareness. But it's really to grow that on a national scale and to have a centre somewhere that people can come and try holistic treatments or alternative treatments. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've been talking to a lot of great people. Like there's a guy in Scotland, Phil Sizer, who wrote a fantastic book and it's called Chronic Pain, The Drug Freeway. And it's really about mindset and about all of the things you can do to help yourself um, where you're not, say, reliant on drugs all the time. So that's a really, really good book. And then uh, there's there's so many people like this hypnotherapist, uh, acupuncturists, uh, coaches. You know, there's so many people on board that are willing to give their time Mm. to get people into a more positive mindset. Because you, you know yourself when you concentrate on something. You get more of it, you feel more of it, you see yeah, more of it. Energy, yeah. So the energy that it brings with it. So if you're in an energy and your energy is low and you feel like you're in pain a lot of the time and your body is aching, mm. well, you're going to spend a lot of time in that place thinking about it and manifesting more of it. Yeah. So it's really about trying to help people to get their headspace into a better place to help alleviate some of the pain in their body. Yeah. 
What so talking about anxieties? But back, back to back to and back to school kids and the whole career thing. And for you, I mean, what's what 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 are you what are you working on now? And what do you want to work on? And and I guess the third question is, what does good career guidance look like for youngsters? But in terms of what are you doing now? And what 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 do you really want to do? going forward? Yeah, I suppose I'd like to see um, something that, that would take uh, young people from maybe 14 or 15 and a career development throughout your lifetime because the world of work has changed so dramatically. I mean, there recently uh, there was something in the um, uh, one of the reports in it that said that kids that are going to school today, on average, they'll change jobs about 10 to 12 times by the time they're 38. So that's a lot of decisions and choices that you actually have to make. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to learn how to make decisions. Know yourself is a key thing Mm -hmm. and be able to use your intuition and be able to research properly and be able to compare things and make up make good decisions. So that's that's what you personally want to do is to develop those areas and then intersect with, you know, connect with the young population. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I want them to start, I suppose, I want them and their parents to see career development as something that really needs to be embraced because we talked about the point system. I mean, that is like a hiding to nothing. (laughs) You know, if you arrive at the end of your leaving cert, having put a huge amount of work into it, maybe you have 500 or 500 points and then you go down the wrong Path. And you don't know who you are. Yeah. And then you pull back, you drop out or you continue. But if you drop out and you decide to do something else and your parents are paying about 6000 at least for you to go back in to first year again, but very likely you'll pick the wrong course again because yeah. you haven't done the due diligence, I suppose, to be able to have the mindset to take you where you need to go. So I just see that as a huge issue. I think the two of you should yeah. connect yeah. after the show. <laughs> definitely should. Yeah. Definitely, definitely a cup of tea in it. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. There's definitely a synergy there. And yeah. so you're working on some stuff as well with, with teenagers. I, I am with an American college here. And in fact, Anne and I are in discussions about something right up, up in uh, up in Northern Ireland right now in, in this very space. Mm. It's early days, but it's a passion for me. And you know, we've all mentioned, I mean, I've had about five or six, probably 50 different careers. You've had a number, you've had a number, and you've mm-hmm. moved to spaces. And and I think that's just going to accelerate more and more for youngsters. So, yeah. so giving them those tool sets around self-confidence and resilience mm-hmm. and empathy and situational awareness, I think is much more important than just rote learning. Definitely, definitely, Absolutely. definitely. Do you know Liz Valore? Valore, yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I was speaking to Liz as well, and she's a coming out of the she was a school in a school mm. teacher principal or she wrote a book and I, I I think if you're coming to that event on the 17th of August yeah. she's at it okay. and I'll introduce you to That's her as well great. I sent that to you as well yeah. yes I'm it's going to be a great event actually I think everybody that there's a lot of you've a lot of great guests coming not even just I mean you've a great lineup of speakers but there's a lot of great people that I've spoken to that yeah. are going to be at the event so as a network in our to meet people mm. or to chat to people. Do you know people, what it is, what I'm trying to do? people coming. It, it's, it's, a, it's just, it's a change your mind, change your life event on the 17th of August. And what I'm trying to do, I have this belief that if we can raise consciousness, yes. everything else can change. So if we can get people to believe in it, consciousness in an area, what happens in that area? And there's been studies proven that if people are at a different mindset, it can have massive effects on a city. Absolutely. And this is what I'm trying to, yeah, to organise yeah. on it. And talking about, I, I just want I want to jump back about the charity that you're setting up, OK? Yeah. Is it a, because I'm, I'm, 
curious, right? Okay, yeah. Is it a pain that someone feels all the time? All of the time. 24-7? 24-7. And how does one, you, do you just, you're born with it or do you, is it something in their teenage or is it something that happens to them that they suddenly then get this pain? Well, do you know, the research is different. Um, in America, uh, actually around the world, they, they reckon that, you know, trauma, so either emotional or physical trauma, Mm. Is is what the the big factor is, and mm. how it comes out in people, trigger, trigger. and th- that's the trigger. And then sometimes people have repeated traumas, so it can be an emotional trauma or a physical trauma that that can happen to people, and that's where that's where it comes is out. It, of. Is it anywhere related? I know back in the eighties and nineties, there was a lot of conversation about ME. Is it anywhere you know, related? It actually is very very similar. So okay. ME is chronic fatigue syndrome, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's very very similar. Okay. Um, but but what it is is it's like you imagine that you're on, you know. When you think of cavemen or when you think of when, you know, your your attention is brought to something. Yeah. So, you know, that flight or fight response yeah. that you get. So when something happens or you hear a loud noise and you think, what's that? So you feel your muscles tighten and you feel your energy and you feel that high alert. So it's that it's that re- it's that um, reactor. That's exactly what is in your body that never switches off. Mm. Yeah, so that that fight or flight, your cortisol is pumping and that feeling is with you all of the time. So when you think of somebody pulling out in front of you and you have to jam on your brakes in the car, you know that feeling you get for that second where your legs are tight and your arms and your shoulders, your jaws tight. And you know that heart attack you have for the couple of seconds because it's a near miss in your car. That's the feeling that you carry all of the time. And then the headaches and the pain and the other symptoms come on top of that's that. That's like how I feel when I co-host this program. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start crying. <laughs> kick you in the shins. so pain for you. <laughs> so with the charity, when's it been launched? Uh, we're waiting for a charity number now. But we are a non-profit uh, company uh, limited by guarantee as, as we stand. And the reason we're going down this road and that we're doing this is because we really want to bring awareness and to find ways to fund a centre so that people can try and find a way to live easier with this pain. Is it a case of, say, government or other organisations don't really want to know about it in a way because it's only just, it's it's not visual, do you know, that way. It's That's exactly, it's invisible, so government and other people don't want to know about it, but then it's like everything else, there's so many things out there, how long is a piece of string? Yeah, you know, yeah. so it's like, I'm sure there's millions of other people that could come on and fight their cause by saying nobody knows and nobody understands, yeah, but yeah. it's just the list is so long of things that are yeah. going on out there that it's about just doing something about this. Do some people believe they have arthritis or rheumatism yes but you see you can have a bone scan that will show that up okay so if you have rheumatism or arthritis what happens is when you have a bone scan it shows shows, exactly where where it is in the body with fibromyalgia it feels the same as that but it doesn't show up in the scan because it's it's not it's not an inflammation syndrome like we've about three minutes left or so so what what i wanted to do is is if if you can give us the details of the charity Okay, and where people then the website and when it's launched and everything as well. Okay, well, fibromyalgia.ie is the website, and you'll see when you click on that it says coming soon. But Fibromyalgia Support Ireland is our Facebook page, and we have a support group as well. So we'd really love people to give the page a like and feel free then, you know, if you suffer with this illness or somebody that you, you know is, um, does, then join our support group. All right. It's free, All right. it's free to join. So just. Join. Mm. And so you talk about learning in the real world. Um, if you were going to give advice to schools or organisations, uh, how, wh- where would you start in pointing them in that same direction? 
Ooh, that's a big question. I know it is. <laughs> you have about one minute. <laughs> I think you'd have to do a massive turnaround, to be quite honest. I think it yeah. would require a complete cultural change. Yeah. Um, and it can be done. Um, yeah. And big projects are actually much more likely to succeed than a whole lot of little projects. Yeah. I, I'm available if somebody wants to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. t- tell us this then. If I was asked both of you with the industry that both are mm. in, give me 30 seconds, give me one piece of advice that you'd say to a teenager. Uh, listen to yourself and your intuition more. Uh, concentrate on the good. Uh, and surround yourself with good people. But surround yourself with the people who bring out the positive thoughts in your mind and the positive feelings. And I would say uh, stop running around, take time to yourself, you know, go for walks, go for a cycle. Um, Just take time to listen to yourself, your inner self. Oh, and limit the social media. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Mm. Where can people find Jan? Uh, Website is annmangan.com. Okay. And um, on, you're on LinkedIn as well? Or yes, Facebook yeah. or anything like that? Which, is it just your same name? Same name. On it yeah. as well. And you're, if, if, say, there's a parent out there who has a daughter who's looking at modelling and... Give us, a, give us a shout out there. Actually, uh, through our Facebook page is where we get most of our interaction, uh, professional model life. And yeah, feel free, anybody, a parent uh, or anybody who's thinking about modelling who would like to try it, but that wants to build their self-esteem and confidence with it. So no experience necessary because we train everybody from the inside out. So everything from the confidence to the technical skills for photo shoots and for catwalk, all of that training uh, we work through with people. Street smart, street smart, really. That's yeah. what she's about, really. Giving mm. kids tools. That's exactly you know? it. Yeah, yeah, it is. And yeah. to cope on their own without mm. needing the guidance of somebody else. It's the, it's to learn how to make their own decisions and trust their own judgment. Absolutely, isn't it? that's yeah. that's where we're trusting the same their thing intuition. But it goes through yeah. life. I mean, does, yeah. you know, we're in our forties, fifties, yeah. and I'm, I'm constantly self calibrating and taking time out and. It's a lifelong thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's, it's the tools to actually yeah. carry you through life. Through life. It's like just we've got thirty seconds left, and just one thing I want to say is, years ago we used to go and ask our parents. Now people have stopped doing that. They're asking groups on Facebook, mm. and that's yeah. changing on it. Yeah. So learn how to ask yourself. Ask yourself. Yeah. yeah. Mm. On that note, we would like to thank both of you coming into Business Eye. Uh, it was a pleasure, and uh, everyone else have a super weekend. Simon, once again, thank you for coming. And in. you, it's been great. And, uh, love the legs. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks. Yeah, hairy, short, fat, and hairy. <laughs> on that note, we'll see you again next week. Take care. Broadcasting to South Dublin on 93.9. This is Dublin South FM.